to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 108 of the podcast. All right. Ah, feels so good to be back behind this microphone. I'm stretching out here, sitting down, getting comfortable, and... Um, ready to talk to y'all it's uh feels like it's been a minute and that is uh obviously my fault (laughs) um but i did actually put out an episode uh, somewhat recently um my last episode was an interview though and so um i didn't feel like i got to really talk um much myself about stuff that's going on you know because the episode was really focused on the interview so um yeah, so here we are, beginning of the semester. Uh, it's week two here at Rutgers, and uh, I hope you're all doing well, kind of settling in for the spring semester. I love the spring semester. Um, it's my favorite semester uh, because I just I love spring. I love the upcoming, looking forward to the summer. I definitely love the summer semester because it's actually by far my easiest one. Um, but spring is great because spring includes graduation, and that is just an awesome moment for an instructor um, to, be, to be able to go to uh, graduation and see the students that I've had in a number of my classes, walk and get their diplomas. Um, it's really rewarding. Um, so it, it, it achieves, it, it, it represents the achievement of a major goal for them. And you guys know how I love goals. So uh, here we are. Um, so what are your goals? <clears throat> what are you working on this semester? Obviously, you're working on college, right? Um, and I hope you are, you know, kind of at least figuring out what's going on with your schedules and kind of settled with that and starting to figure out your routines that are going to work for you this semester. Because I know college students, they constantly have to adapt. You know, your fall semester, you could have been, you know, in all morning classes and then now you're in all afternoon or evening classes. And it's just, you know, it doesn't happen to adults typically, you know, they typically have a more standard schedule. Um, not all of them, though. Some people still work, you know, jobs with random hours, kind of like my wife. Um, but yeah, it, it can be hard on people, um, you know, and it's, you know, not always possible to get into the classes that work well for your best, um, you know, natural energy cycle periods. So um, there is sometimes accommodations, you know, if you have a disability, you um, you know, especially for instance, if you take medication as an example, um, psychiatric medication that makes you really tired in the morning, you might be able to, if you're registered with the disability office, get an accommodation to uh, register early. And that might, if you have this kind of school where you're struggling to get the sections of the courses that you want, that could be a huge um, benefit. So just throwing it out there uh, as a possible solution. Um, Anyway, so what are we going to talk about today? So we're going to talk about online learning, a fresh look at it. Um, This is a topic I have touched on uh, a number of times, but I felt like not in a little while. Uh, I went back and looked 
some of my old episodes. I um, I did a, an episode all about online learning, episode 49. Um, talked about what sucks about it and what can be done to make it a little bit better. And even since that episode, I feel like we've come a long way. And so I kind of wanted to give a fresh look. Other episodes have touched on online learning. Um, you know, a number of the episodes I've done on um, cognitive tips and tricks. And then I did a, a mini series that focused on different executive functions and how to sort of maximize those. Um, they were more college related, um, but I did dedicate a good amount of airtime to online classes in those. Um, but episode 49 was, was really pretty dedicated to it. And uh, as some of the older listeners know from when I had this goal way back when on the podcast, uh, I actually have an online course called Ace Your Online Class. It is available on Udemy and it's completely free. Uh, the link is in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out. I just uh, went on Udemy today. I actually don't go over there very often because ever since I opened it up as a free course, I just kind of, it runs itself pretty much. Uh, but I went over there today just to kind of see, and I, I was checking things out. I have over a thousand students at this point that have taken the class. Um, pretty good reviews and, and ratings. Um, so it's kind of cool. They give you some some cool stats here. Um, I could see, for instance, uh, that con uh, students from 93 different countries have signed up for this course. And that, to me, is just amazing. Um, the United States makes up the top student location, which not surprising. Um, number two is India, and number three is Canada. So um, just kind of interesting that they give you those stats. Um, but yeah, it was kind of cool to see. Uh, and I've had over a thousand students take that. So um, people seem to get stuff out of it. Um, so if you are an online student and you're brand new to online learning, um, I that's the kind of person I would recommend this to. Um, as an example, like somebody, um, like an older student, as an example, somebody that may have gone to school before online learning was really big or even in its infancy, it's a lot kind of different now. Um, somebody that has no experience and all of a sudden now they want to go back to school um, and now they're kind of being forced to take online classes and don't really feel comfortable about that um, this would be a good class for you so um, check it out definitely uh, would love to hear some feedback from my you know from the audience as opposed to people that just find it through you to me because uh, you guys are the ones I care about. Uh, it is not specific to taking an online class as a person with a disability, just FYI. All right, so we're going to talk online learning today. Um, the major reason for that uh, was because I went to an online learning conference over the summer and uh, kind of got some inspiration there and have been thinking about some things. So I uh, thought I'd share it and talk to you guys, sort of a, a different look that I have for it. And before we do that, though, I wanted to just share some some good news for me. Um, some of you may be wondering, you know, uh, what's been going on with Derek? Because uh, he used to podcast all the time, and now he checks in like once uh, every couple months. <laughs> um, so one major milestone. So as you guys, many of you know, I've, I've been in the PhD program here at Rutgers um, in my own department studying psychiatric rehabilitation. And I went back, I think really in earnest, I think it was fall 2016, 
Uh, and that was when I had made the decision, like, okay, I got to get this PhD, you know, if I want to keep my job. I had been sort of resistant up till then. I had tried to take a class, I think, in 2014, maybe, and took one and really didn't think it was for me. But I, I had a fresh mind, fresh mindset at that point, new context. Um, and, you know, I remember going into it that summer as I was getting ready to gear up and start back up. I was like, you know, kind of a little depressed about it. Um, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be my life for the next whatever, four years. And then, you know, I look at it and map it out. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll be taking classes, you know, up through this semester because I'm basically taking one a semester um, as I work full time. And, um, you know, I, I said to myself, I, I distinctly remember this, you know, it, it, eventually it'll just become part of, you know, your life and it won't seem like anything and then you'll blink and it'll be done <laughs> um even though I was still a little down I, that's why I told myself to try and uh look on the bright side there and uh so I I didn't actually know too much about PhD programs before starting this one and up until recently didn't know much uh as well about the comprehensive exam so for most uh PhD programs they have you know there's a dissertation piece um and before the dissertation, there's a bunch of classwork, but there's a, uh, often a comprehensive exam involved, uh, sort of in between, where you cannot begin your dissertation until you've passed this exam. And the exam tests you in, in areas specific to your, um, your discipline. Um, so I knew we had to take the exam, but I didn't know much about it. And so... Um, come the fall, I, I got an email from my director, and they were like, yeah, you got, you're you going to be taking the exam um, because you're almost uh, done with classes. So it got scheduled in January, and um, I took it the beginning of January, and it was hard as hell. <laughs> uh, and there are three questions, essentially. Each question you have two hours to answer, and they're multi-part. You know, each question was at least four five parts, I think, and you use all two hours. Um, it was hard. I, I walked out of that test first physically and mentally drained uh, for taking a six-hour exam, and they kept us there. You know, they gave us breaks in between, um, but still, it was intense. Um, and two, it's just like, I don't think I passed. <laughs> um, and I had heard horror stories from other people that hadn't passed, and, you know, this thing that they kind of hang over your heads is you can retake it up to three times, but if you don't pass after the third time, you're kind of removed from the program. Like, you can't retake it again. Um, and that's, like, horrifying, especially being a faculty member. Like, what would happen if I failed three times and couldn't continue on to the, to the dissertation uh, and was relying on that, to, you know, to keep this job and, and enjoy the job. So I had these horrifying, nightmarish thoughts for a while, uh, you know, in the months leading up to it. But um, I, I did actually put some effort into studying, um, despite some people saying, oh, you can't really study. I, I definitely thought I could, uh, in particular related to one question, um, which is on like statistical designs. Uh, and that was the one question that was really worrying me. It was the one question I didn't think I passed. You have to pass all three questions. You can't like bomb one question and ace the other two and have it average out to a passing score. No, you have to, you have to pass every one. And so, uh, 
I was getting ready for my first class this semester. The spring this semester is actually my my last official class. Uh, and if everything went well, I would be starting the dissertation in the summer. And so we had heard, you know, that we were going to find out prior to the semester starting. So it was the day after Martin Luther King Day. It's always the first day of the semester here at Rutgers. And I had, I had my first class um, that night. It was actually on Tuesday night. And just an hour before the class started, I actually got an email saying, you know, congratulations, you've passed the comprehensive exam. Um, it was one of the better feelings that I've had in quite a while because, number one, I didn't expect to pass. Um, and um, number two, the, the amount of – it would have had a cascading effect on just delaying a lot of things had I not passed. Um, it would have backed up my timeline to graduate, which would have backed up, you know, other things that I just sort of have kind of earmarked for, for stuff I want to do. So I was extremely happy. So that's another thing checked off, um, goal achieved. And uh, now I'm really in an exciting phase where I'm taking my last class. It's a, it's a fun class. Um, and I'm sort of really doing a lot of exploration and fact-finding. I have a few ideas about my dissertation, um, things that I want to study, but I'm not I'm not narrowed down as much as I need to be. So it's nice for me to have this semester to sort of do some exploring and talking to people. Like, I just love this, this part of the scientific process where you know you're interested in something, um, but you're not sure where your direction is going quite yet, but and you're still on that path. And I've been on this path for uh, a number of years now. Um, but now it's time for me to sort of figure some final things out and make an actual decision. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it. I, I'd like to, I will eventually, um, I'm sure my dissertation topic will find its way onto the podcast at some point. Who knows? You guys may even play a role, you know. Um, I'm not going to be studying the impact of podcasting on mental health recovery. Um, although I do, I must say when I, when I first started this podcast, I had that definitive idea before I was even, you know, back with the program that that was something that I was thinking of doing. Um, I've come, you know, come quite far. Um, not that I dislike podcasting. It's just not what I, not what I ended up doing. Um, so it's okay. I think I would have grown to dislike it if it had become my dissertation topic, um, similar to a job, you know, all right, with that, let's transition back over to online learning and talk a little bit about, bit about what I learned. Uh, so I was at this conference. It was called, it was sponsored by the Online Learning Consortium. It was the their Excel, Accelerate 2018 conference held in lovely Orlando, Florida um, back in November. And it was cool. Uh, I had submitted a proposal to present at this conference with a colleague of mine uh, and on a topic related somewhat to this, and uh, we, it was accepted. Uh, and, and so I, I was going not only as an attendee to kind of listen and learn, but also to present and, um, you know, give something back. So that was cool. Our presentation went well. We um, our topic was we were looking at some disability statistics from um, 
a semester at Rutgers where we issued a survey out to all online learners that semester to find out uh, different reasons why they chose an online course, why they, um, what they like about online learning, and then their their biggest barriers. So, uh, I will share that PowerPoint if you guys are interested. Um, and also, they we wrote an article, um, and it has been accepted to a um, research journal. So I don't have it's not it's in press at the moment. So we don't have an actual link to share with you, but I can share the PowerPoint that uh, we did for the conference in the show notes if you want to take a look at it uh, to kind of just see uh, what what were some of our findings. Um, the big topic that I was interested in from this con for this conference to go down there and learn about. Um, as it relates to my job, and my job is primarily an online instructor. Uh, I'm teaching three and a half classes this semester, essentially four, um, and uh, three of them are online. One of them's in person. Last semester, it was the same way. So, you know, these past two semesters, I've taught eight courses, and six of them have been online. So online learning is like my thing, uh, and it's definitely helped me within the program in terms of I don't think all of the faculty really love uh, teaching online. So if you don't love something, you know, you're just not usually you're not as good at it. Um, So I think that because I had always shown an interest, I think that helped with my, you know, output and and the way. students responded to my way of teaching online so they gave me more courses so that's that's fine with me uh so the thing that the thing that sucks about online learning is the thing that's bugging me about it now is this problem with engagement um so feeling like you're part of the course right it can feel kind of lonely taking an online class, especially if you're not living on campus, I find. Like if you're home in your house, sort of apart from the campus, not living with other students, uh, you know, just sitting in your room wherever on your computer doing your online class, I can empathize with the fact that that can be a pretty isolating, lonely experience. Um, And so what is that mean, right? Um, Certainly you can be alone and learn and do well, but there's a lot of students, it's harder. Uh, It's harder to keep your attention and focus up. It's harder to get the motivation to actually sit down and do the class. Uh, It's harder to feel like you're participating or that your participation is heard or matters. You feel this general disconnection, and it could be disconnection from the the instructor, or and or disconnect from your fellow students, your peers in the class. So, anyone that's taking an online taking an online class, um, I, I'd be interested to hear like any times where you felt you took an online class that was super engaging and you felt like a part of a community. Um, I would love to hear from you because that's generally not what I hear. Um, Contrast that to a traditional class, right? I'm teaching a class uh, on, actually not on Rutgers campus, on a local community college campus uh, near Rutgers. And I was just there on Monday and, you know, I 
have taught classes there before, you know, little campus, went to the, the classroom, had, I think, 12 students in there, nice size class. Um, it was actually pretty quiet in the class. Uh, they didn't participate, you know, as much as I would have loved, but it was also the first week. Um, I think by the end of the semester, for many of those students, it will feel like a community. Like they'll know me a little bit. They'll know my ways. I'll joke around with them. They'll laugh, hopefully. Um, I'll start to learn a little bit about them. Um, other things that make a community, like the ability to like kind of check in easily. Like I think that's something that's sorely missed from online learning experiences. And, you know, the natural argument is it's easy. You just can send an email to your instructor. You know, it's even easier in some ways than like actually approaching somebody. Yeah. Um, but it's super convenient <laughs> when you're in a class to kind of get you know, that housekeeping stuff that you get in the beginning or the end of the, the class where the, the teacher, before he starts lecturing, he or she, um, just kind of talks to you a little bit about, you know, maybe a past assignment that they get handed in or something that's coming up in the class or something that you have to remember. You know, those little things, it's hard to recreate in an online class. And they matter, right? To be able to go up to the the instructor after class, wait till everybody leaves because you have a little bit of an issue that you need to talk to them about. Uh, for some people, you know, it's easy to just sit down and, and crank out an email like that. Others would prefer it, it or would be easier to just do that in person. Or it would be, if not easier, it would be the type of thing that being in front of the person would, would trigger them to do it, um, whereas they might procrastinate if it involves like, oh, I got to send an email, I got to, you know, I don't know, it depends on your, your opinion of email and, and, you know, social contact. But um, I, I definitely notice a community of sorts that builds in my classes over this course of the semester. Uh, and that matters because, you know, for some people, that's a big part of why they enjoy college. Um, it's a big part of why they enjoy learning and why they show up to class. Um, because they know, like, all right, you know, he's going to talk about the stuff. And, um, you know, he's kind of a little bit entertaining. You know, the I don't fall asleep. <laughs> um, I hope. Uh, I don't see too many students sleeping in my class. Um, or I'll see uh, my, my good friend in the class that we've had a number of classes together. She's really cool. Um, you know, we help each other out with notes and stuff. So even if the class is hella boring and the instructor sucks, uh, at least I got my little, my, my person or my group of people, my team, my, my tribe. Right? And those things matter a lot. To students and I'm one of them right I'm taking a class right now and it's an in-person class uh, most of my classes for the PhD have been in person but um, most of my master's classes were online and uh, my class is tiny I have three there are three students in the class me and two others but it's still a community uh, and we had a really awesome discussion last night um, and it was just like you know you can't it's hard to mimic that in a online learning environment, especially an asynchronous one, one where you don't have like live streaming 
occurring where everybody is uh, sitting at the computer at the same time. Most online courses are asynchronous, meaning you know you check in. Um, if there is video, it's pre-recorded. It's not live. Um, so why does this matter? All right. Um, portion of it is like the environment, right? Um, getting your ass up out of where you're at in your comfort zone and getting to a specific location to, you know, kind of gets you in the mode and the mindset of learning. Or maybe you have like habits and rituals that, that you associate with that. Like, oh, you know, while on the way, I always go at stop at this 7-Eleven and pick up my Monster Energy drink and that helps me through the class or, you know, I stop and get my big cup of coffee or whatever it is. Um, those things sort of get you ready for the online learning experience. Um, the fact that it's at a fixed time helps you procrastinators out there to be like, okay, I got to get my shit together. I can't be late. Whereas an online class, there is less of that. Um, just natural prompting to do, you know, anything, go log on, turn something in, etc. Um, and then, you know, so you have like the tangible aspects of like the, the physical location, but the intangible part of the environment is like your peers. Um, the people that you interact with, your instructor, whether you enjoy them or not, is seemingly a bit more accessible to you for whatever you might need. Oh, I got a quick question about what they just said in the middle of that lecture. Way easier than an online class to interrupt them and just find out a little bit more, get your get your your thing clarified, right? Um, so how do you build a community in an online class? That was my question that I sought out to learn going into this class. Um, so what did I come away with? Uh, well, I came away with a lot of promise, hope, and optimism for the future. Currently, I feel like we're still in this transitional period. So let me start off with the future and what some people that are way brighter than me um, believe online learning might look like, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. The keynote speaker, so a keynote is like the main featured person if you've never been to a conference. Um, the keynote was a person named, let me get her name, Jane McConical. Um, and she, Dr. Jane McConical, world-renowned game designer, inventor of Super Better, and author. And I will include her Twitter handle uh, in the show notes for today. She was really cool. Uh, she gave a presentation about what the future might look like for online learning and the parallels that she drew to it to help us sort of envision what it might look like is uh, she talked a lot about the value and importance of today's video games. Um, so you might be thinking, like, video games? Really? What do they have to do with online learning? Um, so she brought up, she focused on a, a couple of games in, in particular, um, and many of you are going to know these games. Um, she talked about Pokemon Go and the summer that Pokemon Go came out and how it was this, like, 
you know, this fun time of, you know, people, you know, getting together in these weird places to catch these Pokemon. And, you know, I I actually tried it out a little. I remember my son was sort of just getting into the point where he could understand and and, and use a smartphone without, like, breaking it. Um, It was little. And, uh, you know, he liked Pokemon. He watched it on on Netflix. So um, we would, you know, be in the car and try and catch these Pokemon. So I I could relate to that. And now she talked a lot about Fortnite, um, which I actually can't relate to. I've never played the game. Um, But I know it's, you know, hugely popular right now. And I I know the general gist of of what what you do in it. Um, So she talked about those two games in particular. Uh, and for a number of reasons to sort of uh, talk about what makes them great, um, because these are two games that have really, you know, were really like sort of game changers in the gaming world in the last five years. So the th- one, one similarity between the two that she talked about was how everyone could be a potential ally, um, that people you meet in the game, you know, can help you. Um, you know, level up or, or sort of solve the puzzle or whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, there's in both the games this element of abundance, right? There's lots of different things out there for you to do, try, read, collect, find out, explore, you know, whatever, you know, and that keeps the game exciting and keeps you curious to continue playing to find out like oh what's next what's around this corner what happens if i do this um and things that sort of the 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 drive to satisfy that curiosity is a learning experience right um the idea of the peer-to-peer network right um with these games um you and a lot of the new ones even like the kid games now there's always like this ability to chat with one another if you're not in the same physical location Um, if you have friends that play the same game you can connect directly with them they'll have some sort of id number that you can connect and play you know all around the world you know Um, the idea of trading things um, you know tokens credits tools um, loot boxes, whatever it might be, um, you know, being able to find these things and then interact with other players in the game to help them. And then in turn, they help you through barter, trade, selling, um, buying and whatnot. And then sharing in achievements, right? And it talked about Fortnite in particular, you know, when you are part of a team of, you know, 50 players and you're trying to take down this other team. Um, I've played uh, Splatoon and that's kind of similar when you play it online for the Switch. You know, you have a team and you're trying to, you know, battle this other team. And um, it's cool when you can get a good group of people working together and can, you're communicating on the side. And um, I... Even though I'm not a gamer, uh, I play a little bit of Minecraft with my six-year-old right now. Um, I, I've i never, you know, I've liked video games, but I've never been, like, a gamer. Like, that's never been a, something I identify with as, like, uh, a role where it's like, yeah, that's me. Um, you know, I play casually. Um, I can see the draw. I can understand why people, you know, go apeshit over video games. Um and I can see the potential to use them as platforms for learning online in the future, right? Think about, a, think about an online course set with those, you know, ideas in mind and the, that model, right? Where you sort of, 
explore the course, right? It feels like a game. You open it up and you see in the course, you know, other players, other students, and you they become your allies. Um, the idea that there are many things for you to try out and explore, touch, click on, learn, watch, listen to, uh, makes it exciting rather than just sort of splat text document, you know, with a bunch of fucking links written, embedded in it. Um, that's not fun to explore. Um, the idea to connect peer to peer, you know, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this one as so sort of something you can do now, but in the future, it's probably going to feel very, you know, virtual, right? And I'm sure elements of VR and AR will come into play here. Um, trading learning credits. This is the idea of like what we talk about in the online learning sphere now is gamification, right? Taking an online learning experience and turning it into a game. It seems like a really promising idea, right? And this is this woman's whole premise. Um, the the problem with it, the problem why I'm more, the reason why more people aren't doing it now, and the instructors out out there can probably you know tell you is it's really really hard and challenging and time consuming to design a game <laughs> on top of you know everything that you need to do in terms of having your content right. Um, it takes a high degree of creativity. I actually consider myself a pretty creative person. Um, and I actually, I did, I tried to do this a couple of semesters ago. I talked to a, um, uh, instructional designer who, who had some experience with gamification and this, I was doing, I tested it out. I piloted it in a, in a traditional class, but I thought like, if I ever took this, if I ever made this class an online class, like this might be something I could do to sort of like bring this stuff to life and make it more, um, more of an engaging community focused experience. Um, and I, I struggled, I've abandoned it. I couldn't do it. You know, it was too much to think of on top of like delivering a quality presentation and making sure people were learning and doing everything you have to do with the school side of things, you know, assignments and grading and whatnot. Um, so that was sort of her vision of the future, this idea that, Online learning might look a bit like, you know, or at least have some of the qualities that the great video games um, of the last couple of years have. Um, and I, I tend to agree. Uh, I think that, you know, there will, there will come a, a point where the, the entire, you know, space will catch up with where, you know, video gaming is at right now. So... Awesome job, Dr. McConnell. Really enjoyed that keynote. Um, the other major thing I learned uh, for online learners that's more sort of in the present right now, things you can do, is really, and this is for an, a student as, as well as for an instructor, that engagement is what you put into the course and the assignments uh, and the stuff that makes up the course. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've seen an online class. Basically, you teachers out there, if this is you, it might be time to up your game. Right. There's uh, week one, an icebreaker. Right. Make an introduction video. Talk about one unique thing about yourself, etc. Or comment on two of your students, uh, peers. Uh, and then the, the rest of the weeks, weeks two through 15, like straight up text, links, 
Um, basically, your online course is a document repository uh, with no soul whatsoever, no personality. It's just a bunch of stuff posted up there and then, you know, a syllabus with the dates and times of your exams. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via email, right? Um it's perfectly fine. Some students are like, great. Most of us, though, are like, this is boring. Um, so you had the right idea with the icebreaker. <laughs> but then that that doesn't it doesn't just magically create an engaged community of online learners that are going to feel like part of a, a, an experience for the rest of the semester. So. So what can you do, right? Um, students, unfortunately, if the teacher is not really invested in creating an engaging online community, and I suspect, sadly, many of them are not, it's not what they value, um, then it's going to be on you to reach out um, to your fellow students and make that community around you right? Um, find the students on the roster that you've taken a class with in the past. There's lots of ways you can reach out. Figure out for your friend or your group, mini group of students within the class, what works best for you, right? A lot of the LMSs have like shared workspaces within them, right? A place where you can go and, you know, uh, share documents, uh, do like video conferencing, uh, like a little workspace. Um, if not, there's tons of outside resources you can use um, to do various parts of that or all of that, right? Um, the simplest would just be uh, email back and forth, have, you know, everybody in, on the email. Uh, hey, here are my notes this week in case anyone wants to share them. Um, some people that are more advanced might do like a shared Google Doc, and put everything on there. I know students in my class do that. They get together. They'll create a Google Doc. One person will add their notes, and then another person will go in and add on to those notes uh, in the places where they took more notes than the other person, and then another person adds on theirs. Um, study, study groups with things like GoToMeeting or Zoom or uh, Adobe, uh, whichever one your school uses, you probably have one available to you. Um, and then there's there's free ones, or you could just FaceTime, you know, if it's a small group or Skype. Um, group text. I have a number of students that use WhatsApp, uh, and will just you have a group text uh, all semester about, you know, hey, can you do this, or you know, can you share this with me, or let's get together and study, um, or just a local. If it's if you guys go to school online, but also live on campus, you could possibly set up like a weekly meeting working group, study group, at the school, wherever, library, Panera, etc. cetera. Uh, so that becomes your community, and that makes the material come to life a little bit more, right? Because you're talking about it. You're, you know, telling the person what you're struggling with and what you're finding that enjoyable about the class, and they're doing the same. Like the kind of stuff that happens right before class, in the middle of class, on break, at the end of class, you know, those things that make the class a human experience and for a lot of us, an attractive one, right? 
teachers, what can you do? <laughs> um, and this was the answer specifically I was searching for is, and, and what I found for now, if you can't gamify shit, and, and that's hard, but I think that the tools will become much better in the future, uh, try and leave a piece of yourself in the course, in the assignments each week. Um, this might be hard depending on the content, right? But I'll give you a couple of examples of how I've been able to do this. Um, one of them was I was given a, an online course um, basically that had not been super well run in the past, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it was just given to me and it was like, this needs to be redone. <laughs> and I opened it up and it was sort of that that repository kind of course I was talking about, right? You open it up, it's one page, it's a bunch of links, a bunch of videos, um, and not much else. Uh, and so the course was about wellness and recovery. And so like, and it was sort of an elective. And so I had a good amount of leeway. And um you know, the ability to do what I wanted with it, as long as it sort of fit within the realm of wellness and recovery. So I'm with my mentor, she helped me design the the curriculum for the course, uh, sort of on the fly, you know, as the course was developing, I had a rough schedule, a rough outline of things. And then each week, I sort of added to it. But that was a great course to build community. Because, you know, instead of discussion forums that were like, read this article, talk about one benefit of the recovery model and one drawback, do the same with the medical model, uh, and where you get everybody answering the same type of question the same way and the, the replies to your classmates are just so canned and without emotion and people are just doing it because they have to. Believe me, I hate grading them as much as you hate doing them. Well, what I tried to do instead was take those discussion forums and make them more personalized. So it would be like, hey, take this wellness inventory, um, score it yourself, and then talk about one of the results and how and what surprised you about it, right? And so the person actually gets to talk about themselves a little, offer it up, and then the responses from student to student are just so much more like you could tell they're genuinely interested in the content, right? Um, so I tried to make the projects, you know, focused on taking the concepts like wellness and recovery action planning, rap planning, right? Do a rap plan on yourself. Um, and then each week submit a piece of it and talk about what what your feelings on doing the doing the process was, right? Um, it, it was a fantastic course to do online because it made the students feel like, you know, because they let, they, they shared a little bit of themselves and I shared a bit of myself in, in sort of like modeling the projects for them, that it, it, they, they grew closer as they learned. Um, and that was really cool. Not all courses are set up that way, right? So let me give you another example of a course that, you know, it's harder to do that with. Um, so I teach a course about managing uh, and accessing community resources. So this course is all about, um, you know, Medicaid, uh, social security requirements, food stamps, um, different resources and entitlements that are available to people in the community, um, substance abuse programs, peer wellness programs, you know. So it's basically 
learning about these different programs and who's eligible for them and the restrictions, like it's dry content, all right? It's hard to make that seem engaging and build community around it. And I taught it for one or two semesters as it was handed to me. I'm like, this is so dull. So what did I do? Um, what I did was I... I wouldn't say this was gamified, but I brought the content to life. I, With a colleague of mine, we created like a script where we pretended we were case managers working in a community mental health agency, uh, assisting fictitious individuals with various case management tasks each week. So she had two people on her caseload and I had two on mine, and we sort of just sort of crafted them off of combinations of people that we'd worked with over the years, right? And just, you know, gave them a fake name. Um, so, you know, I had Michaela and Michaela, you know, was this, you know, young woman that had had this traumatic past and, you know, was getting kicked out of her house and, you know, was interested in going back to school and had this drug problem. So like, you know, each week, myself and the the colleague would sort of update the class and it was an audio a weekly audio clip about 10 15 minutes and we talk about oh so how's your person doing oh they're struggling with this issue and i'm not sure what resource i should link them to and it sort of took the the resources and brought them gave them a personal or human element and then the final project for that was they had to basically take over for one of the case managers so assume that case manager left and you're stepping into their shoes. You just started this agency. What are the case management things you would do with them? Um, it, it was great like because it, it allows the person to see, okay, I, it, I hate, hate the idea that I have to learn you know, what the minimum requirements are for the person to qualify for Social Security. But now after th- hearing this story, I could see why it's important. So let me you know, do the research or check things out. So um, that's some suggestions for the teachers out there, you know, is to try and put some of yourself in your assignments or just allow the students to put some of themselves in it. Take the content that's really super dry and try and breathe some life into it by adding some sort of humanistic element. And think about gamification, even if you could start at a basic level. Uh, reach out to instructional designers that might be available in your com- in your you know academic community. Um, the students will appreciate it. Trust me. So anyway, that is it for this week. Um, I know we don't do you know home exercises anymore. I kind of miss that. But I I hope you guys have set a goal for yourselves this semester. Uh, and, you know, kind of chip away at it. I hope even, you know, for some of you, again, it's going to be an academic straight up. I got to get through the semester. I want to ace this semester. I want to pass. I want to get through it. I want to graduate. That's a great goal. But if you have something else that you really want to do, right, beyond your academic life, you know, learning a new game, picking up a sport or a hobby, making a new friend, going out on a date, Purchasing something, quitting drinking, losing weight, learning, starting to run, whatever the fuck you want to do that feel that you feel a passion for wanting to do, that you feel like, oh, I would love to do this, but I'm just too busy with work or school or work and school. Trust me, there's definitely things you can do to work in the beginnings of that habit, routine, task, goal 
break it up into small pieces, lean on your different resources in your network, you know, write things down, do all the things we talk about here in the College Student Success Podcast, um, there's definitely a chance you'd be able to at least get some traction on that. This week, this semester, my goal will be really to fine-tune a good um, dissertation topic, um, have my committee picked out. Like, I got to prepare for the summer. So um, I don't think, I, I don't know if I've ever had as crystal clear of a goal going into a semester as I feel like I do. Um, but I'm also really super excited to do this. Like, this is, you know, some people I think probably don't like this part and would just like to be given a topic and say, okay, thanks. Uh, I like the this part of uncovering, you know, what needs what needs to be studied, what I'd like to study, what what is feasible. So anyway, if you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you could go to the iTunes directory and give me a positive review. Five stars would be great. Um, you know, three stars wouldn't be as great, but if you give me some solid feedback about the way that you would be able to see it getting to five stars, that would be really awesome, helpful feedback. Um, feel free to reach out if you have a topic of interest you want me to chat, tackle or at least investigate. You know, um, things are wide open. Not sure what I'm going to do next. I don't have anything in mind for a topic, so uh, you know, I'm open to whatever. All right, guys, have a great one. Enjoy the beginning of the semester before things get too, too hectic. And I will see you around. Peace. Thank you.